Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. I have returning to the program today a very special guest, Rhiannon Cezanne from the Berrien County Historical Association, who has some great stories about one of the early county seat elections in Berrien County. So we're going to delve into some of that period of the 1800s and that early election and some of the interesting things that were going on in Marion County at that time. And we're also going to discuss some of the exhibits at their museum and some of the events that you can expect later this year. So welcome back to the show, Rhiannon. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast again. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back. Well, so to begin, maybe we should have you introduce yourself to the audience and explain your role with the Berrien County Historical Association for those that maybe missed the first episode that you came on with me. So my name is Rhiannon Sisson. I am the executive director of the Berrien County Historical Association, a role I have served since 2019. And my goal is to remind folks that the Berrien County Historical Association operates the History Center at Courthouse Square the oldest county government complex in the Great Lakes state, uh, which is really kind of a bit of the heart of what we'll be talking about today with the county seat move. Uh, The museum is open Wednesday through Sunday, 10 to 5 throughout the year. And we host exhibits, programs, and private events for those who are interested in history, heritage, culture, or just need to kill a little time before they go on to their next wine tasting. (laughs) That's right. You guys are kind of in wine country over there, aren't you? little bit yeah absolutely so so you've just completed a really interesting new exhibit about one of the early elections in Berrien County what, what time period was this set in so we actually talk about two uh, technically two elections 1880 mm-hmm. and 1894 both oh. were concerned with the county seat move um, in 1835 um, around the time the territory was preparing for statehood there had been right. conversations and discussions about uh, what county, what kind, what the county seats were going to be. They were going to shift, start having counties. What the county seats were going to look like. Mm-hmm. And Marion Springs had been a top contender because geographically, it's actually at the center of the state. Excuse right. me, center of the county. Right. And so, when the state, when the territory became a state, it was declared that Marion Springs would be the county seat mm-hmm. for Marion. And that worked out great till technology kind of caught up with um, Michiganders and the mm-hmm. arrival of the railroad and the inequities of what the railroad would bring to the communities of Berrien County began to question me, result in people kind of questioning. Um, it's really hard to get to the county seat, right? There's no discussion about taking like a riverboat to the county seat, even though Berrien Springs sits on the St. Joe River. Um, right. And so there was a lot of you know, discussion, well, maybe we should move it, we should move it. The talks get more and more and more, which leads to the first election, which is in 1880, um, Mm -hmm. where the county residents who were eligible to vote, which would have been men over the age of 21, who were landholders, went to the uh, election and said, Mm -hmm. do you want to stay in Berrien Springs or do you want to move it to uh, Niles? Uh, so Niles was the chosen city, and then that election went through. Berrien Springs won. It was not a landslide win, but it was a pretty comfortable, pretty comfortable mm-hmm. win. The discussion kind of died down, and then by the mid, um, by the mid to late 1880s, 
Uh, people are starting to question whether that was the best decision. The railroad's getting bigger. It's getting more frequent. There is no railroad to uh, Berrien Springs. And the arrival of the St. Mm-hmm. Joe Valley Railroad kind of quashed some things during the election of 1880. But by 1890, the mm-hmm. future of the railroad was pretty much in doubt. And by the time the election came in 1894, the St. Joe Valley Railroad, which is a short-gauge railroad between Buchanan and Berrien Springs, was dead it was declared right <laughs> priest came and did the last rites kind of dead and right. so in 1894 the county went to the polls again this time all men could vote as well as likely some women we don't know 100 percent certain if women were voting in this election because there were some municipalities that allowed women to vote on tax related things if they themselves were landowners or taxpayers so okay. that was kind of the loophole that women were using to try to um, expand suffrage um, in Michigan. But anyway, so it went in this hmm. time. The question was, does it stay or does it go to St. Joe? And the election occurred and it went to St. Joe, where it hmm. remains today. The purpose of the exhibit, however, was to look at how this whole thing played out in the newspapers. Um, just like today, where we have social media, Newspapers were essentially mouthpieces for respective political parties, individuals. The modern ethics we have come to love and appreciate in journalism today was not Mm -hmm. quite there back in the 1800s. And so it was a very fascinating look at kind of how communities were approaching. We were able to find uh, newspaper articles for both elections in uh, for St. Joe Benton Harbor, uh, which Mm -hmm. are available through newspapers.com. And Buchanan, which is available through the Buchanan Library, and a few, a few 1880, maybe a couple in the 1894 newspapers from Niles through their library, the Niles Public Library. Right. The only community that we could not find newspapers for prior to 1900 is Berrien Springs. So we don't know directly what Berrien Springs said if they were not quoted in another paper. But the idea of this exhibit was to kind of showcase. Number one, one of my favorite things about history, we are just people and always have been, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. You, <laughs> you think someone's being a jerk on the internet, I guarantee they're being jerks in newspapers long before Facebook. This is not Facebook mm-hmm. thing, this is not a social media thing, this is not an online thing, it just amplifies it, right? People have always yeah. been like, why are we telling people where we're going for vacation on social media? And then you go read a newspaper <laughs> from like 1925 and it's Miss Susie Lawfer has gone to go visit her sister in South Exactly. <laughs> the know, social sections of right, newspapers exactly. are hysterical. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, even it was just yeah. simple lines of like, Mr. and Mrs. Elworth were visiting their, her sister, mm-hmm. you know, locally. Like, it was just, that's the way it always been. And yeah. the thing is, is one of the things we kind of really kind of pointed out in the interpretation is because of this almost very personal approach to kind of how these newspapers were performing as mouthpieces for their editors. Uh It kind of gave you a a much bigger insight into kind of how people were actually thinking versus kind of a more neutral, you know, almost both sides is an approach. And we, we understood and they were getting, they were getting very vicious. So the 1880 election, so the exhibit was divided into pre 1880. We kind of talked about these concerns and they were concerns the roads were not very good. That's why the railroad was able to take such mm-hmm. hold in the county because it was such much easier transportation. Right. But we were really surprised to find out that before Niles was officially chosen, 
um, which at the time was, well, and I think it still is, the largest city of Berrien County. Um, it was, you know, one article I came across referred to as, just as Boston is the center of the universe, so Niles is the center of Berrien County. Right, like right. they're just like being overly traumatic. <laughs> I wouldn't exactly call Niles being in the center based on where it's located. You well, know? I think, but I think they meant rather physically than kind of like socially. They got right, relatively early because um, at that and time, they were close too, to Chicago. I mean, they were. They had that access point to Chicago. Mm-hmm. That, South you know, Bend, the, which was becoming the f- a pretty big hub in the north part of the state for Indiana. Yeah. So, I mean, they had the railroad. The railroad went across what is now Route 12 all the way to mm-hmm. Buffalo. And then you had the route that ran along the lakeshore from like that was going through St. Joe and Benton Harbor. Um, and that was not quite done yet, but it was in the process of being built. In an interesting twist, obviously not an interesting twist for Barron Springs. Barron Springs was the anti like, no, we're doing fine. But um, the major player in Barron Springs was George Murdoch, son of Francis Murdoch, of whom the Murdoch cabin is named after. Mm-hmm. Okay. George was a vociferous, for lack, without even being a joke for it. He was vociferous in his support for Barron Springs to remain the county seat. Keep in mind, right. his dad helped to found Barron Springs, so he had a very very deep connections of why Berrien Springs needed to continue to succeed because this was his dad's town. His dad helped found it, right? Mm-hmm. The family left three years after the founding of Berrien Springs, but dad founded this town. So George <laughs> being the owner of the Berrien Springs era was very vociferous. And he, which is why I wish I so badly had access to these papers, digitized or not, mm-hmm. because George took no prisoners. It is entirely likely, based on kind of the way the other newspapers were talking about it, that he could have very well jeopardized Berrien Springs' chances of keeping the county seat in 1880. Um, He was quoted, I believe, in 1878 that he understood. Mm -hmm. He understood. He had gone down to Niles. He understood the complaints of, you know, this is this is a very, you know, you're thinking over the river and through the woods kind of thing. This is over mm-hmm. the rivers and through the sand dunes and right, right. Along, the, along the river shore. And so he said he understood, but he felt that it was important that Berrien Springs remain the county seat because, well, you know, essentially everyone had to do that. It didn't matter what part of the county were you in, everyone mm-hmm. had to do it equally. Interesting. Yeah, it was very, it was very fascinating. So when it came to 1880, he became very vociferous is a very good word to use on this mm-hmm. because he was not pleased that this was even being discussed right like mm-hmm. this is you can have your complaints but this is not a discussion that we should be having and so he decided that he was going to take a very strong stance on this the problem is is he took too strong of a stance um, in mm-hmm. the very early years of 1880, um, the very early, very late 1879 into the very early part of 1880, the conversation mm-hmm. was at its peak for that election. Um, and it was interesting because there were actual, we do have newspaper accounts from St. Joe of the commission meeting, one of the commission meetings in 1878, where they were having discussions about should they move the county seat? And it was very interesting because while Niles seemed to be the logical point because it was the largest city in the county at the time, right? the other option that had been put forth was New Buffalo. And oh, interesting. 
Yeah. And so New Buffalo was considered by obviously New Buffalo and surprisingly Buchanan as a viable mm -hmm. spot if they were going to move because New Buffalo sat on two railroads and everyone had could get to a railroad within a reasonable amount of time, no matter where you were at in the county. You can either do the Chicago Lake Shore, you can do the Michigan Central. Right. Um, it was a growing community, so there was plenty of land to access. Uh, the village of Barrett was the village of New Buffalo, or would have been the village of New Buffalo at the time, decided that they would give the land for free on, quote, a bluff overlooking the lake. So they would have given a phenomenal view. <laughs> to it the would have probably been an amazing courthouse, I would imagine, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and they're not too, they weren't, the, it would have been within a reasonable walking or dry, riding, I guess, distance. Mm -hmm from the rail line and New Buffalo is, you know, has always been pegged as the, you know, the gateway to Michigan, right? Why, why right. should our county seat be the gateway to Michigan, especially for Chicagoans. And so it was a very viable, and Niles was like, the, the few newspapers I could find for Niles were just like, why are you doing this Buchanan? You're like a fast second train ride from us. You're like right there. Why are you doing this? And you know, Buchanan's like, nope, nope. New Buffalo, if it can't be New hmm. if it can't be Niles or if it can't be Berrien Springs, it needs to be New Buffalo. And they ended up switching allegiance back to Berrien Springs when in uh, January 1880, the commission, well, what they call the Board of Supervisors, the precursor to the commission, current county hmm. commissioners, when the Boards of Supervisors announced that they were going to go ahead and allow an election to occur in April of 1880 to determine the county seat move. Well, George is livid. I mean, he yeah. is beyond, um, I would sit there and say that he was probably blowing a gasket and that I can see that because it would benefit everybody, but Barry and Springs to have an election. Exactly. If and somebody more, either win, win or lose, you know, Barry and Spring is going to lose. Yep. If they lose, you know, they lose yeah, a lot and, more than anybody else. So exactly. And more, more specifically for, for them, it was a, um, it was a, a really, you know, a backstabbing because they're where they're starting to talk about a railroad and a rail line, and they're still going to take this away from them. And, you know, so he mm -hmm. became very vociferous. And at one point actually wrote, and this is why I wish I had access to the papers. He wrote a nasty, like beyond <laughs> nasty editorial about uh, Edward Cook, who was the county, um, he was called, he was the county clerk. Right. He was a county mm -hmm. clerk. He was accused of manipulating the commissioner or well, the supervisors into an election. He was doing his machinations and he was out to get Barry and Springs. Um, but what he wasn't expecting, <laughs> what he wasn't mm -hmm. expecting was um, Cook to respond back. Right. He he mm -hmm. just kind of threw this out. Well, Cook got word of it and he was livid. He was livid. He could not believe it and proceeds to write um, a one and a half column in the, um, believe it was the Palladium, not the Herald Palladium, but the Palladium, um, literally taking what lines from uh, George's editorial and refuting them. Just, uh -huh. and he, he writes it literally, lie number one, this is the line, and here's his comment. Lie number two, here's a line. And it was very, he was vicious. He was not going to hold back. He was going to mm -hmm. 
he was going to defend himself to the best of his ability. And then the remainder of the second, that the second half of that column for uh, like he wrote a column half for the rest of the column were people who writing into the editor defending Ed Cook. And Uh Ed starts this whole, this whole article, this whole article quoting the Bering Springs, um, the Bering Springs uh, era claiming that allegedly the Bering Spring, you know, basically that, Earlier this year, those lovely people out in Berrien Springs claimed that this was the year they were going to stop lying. They vowed that this was the year they were going to stop lying. And yet nothing has changed. (laughs) And so he pretty much... A lot of mudslinging. A lot of mudslinging going on. This is, at this point, I wouldn't even call it mudslinging. It is literally... They are literally just like throwing bricks at each other. It's not even it's bricks. <laughs> brick after brick after brick. Right. And <laughs> um, I used to have this. I used to have some of this uh, stuff with me, but I can't seem to find the to quote it correctly. But he. So said, this was in the 1880s because there was a follow up that mm-hmm. that decision to oh, the vote was based on should it stay in Berry Springs or not, or Correct. was it. Between so another, okay, so it was just so it was a choice of moving. Yes. So the question okay. on the ballot was, should the county seat be removed to Niles? It was a simple question, yes oh, or no. Okay. Yes, it should be removed. No, it should not. So throughout the next couple of months, it picks up, and every newspaper and St. Joe, the St. Joe and Harbor papers remained very neutral on this. Niles mm-hmm. was obviously very pro Niles. Buchanan was pro Berrien Springs. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the county was split up. Um, there was no geographical uh, loyalty to this because both, because Niles was in the south and Berrien Springs is in the center. So there was no real loyalty. Um, right. Three Oaks, uh, Ed Warren, or excuse me, not Ed Warren. Um, no, yeah, Ed Warren and uh, would be quoted later on. But it turned out that Niles, or excuse me, Three Oaks was like very much for it to be in, you know, Ni- or excuse me, Three Oaks wanted it to be in Niles. And then it was pretty evenly across the board that the southern half were okay with it being in Niles because they were along the rail line. They could just hop on the railroad and straight shot it out. Uh-huh. Everyone yeah. else decided to keep it in Berrien Springs because Niles was too far. So if you're thinking like Water Valley and Coloma, which are up there near the county line, that's a really long, long drive for them. So uh-huh. the they were in the process of, and now they announced that they had received all the funding to begin the St. Joseph Valley Railroad. So they announced it right at the time. It was and it wasn't very big in the newspapers elsewhere. But it was big in Buchanan. So that's what pretty much saved Barry and Springs in 1880. It was mudslinging. Um, was not nearly as bad as it would be 14 years later, but it was still very much one of my favorite favorite quotations because um, we pulled out some we put off huh. we pulled out some quotations from newspapers as part of um, as to kind of highlight some of it. And there was a quotation from one of the Detroit newspapers that um, sent me into hysterics. In fact, my curator was like, are you okay? I'm like, and I read this out. I said, this has to be. So this was in February of 1880. And the quote read, <coughs> excuse me. Um, if the Berrien County seat is to be removed to Niles, one Berrien Springs editor will go mad. If it is not removed, three Niles editors will die of mental mortification. Prospect is a sad <laughs> one in either case. So, I mean, <laughs> even the rest of the state was kind of going, mm, 
they're going a little crazy down there. Something's got to happen. So the election yeah, went off. Yeah. It was around 5,000 votes were cast and more than a little more than 3,500 were cast for Darien uh, Springs to keep the county seat. So everyone's mm-hmm. like, it's been settled. We're good. And they kept trucking. So there's some quietness. The railroad's kind of starting to work. They started getting it running. And then by the mid-1880s, we start seeing it pop up where people are like, oh, this is not doing good. This is not good. And like, well, maybe it's okay. Oh, and then it was just going, kind of going back and forth, back and forth. We found uh, a quote from the Palladium in 1887. So we're, we're about halfway through to this point that said, Judge Potter tried the old way of going to Berrien Springs Monday by sleigh. And upon his immediate return, declared that it was too bad to have the county seat situated in the backwoods away from civilization. And if he was judge, he would never pass sentence on anyone who would steal the records and move them to a place on a railroad. The judge is correct. So they start getting very vocal again. Mm-hmm. So by 1893, it is, it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to have another election. Um, the question was, who would get the county seat? alternative would be the alternative site um there had been talk about it being niles again but the problem was is niles had remained stagnant in the last decade in fact one of the insults a buchanan paper hurled at them is that niles was old an old woman who was losing her best minds to south to the horrible hoosier state which as you know as a, someone from indiana mm. I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay yeah. That's, that's <laughs> um and then and that they've had only one death and no births in that time. And I was like, that sounds really strange that they would only have like no population change. And it's true. There was mm-hmm. zero population movement between 1880 and 1890. It was 4190 <laughs> in, the, in 1880 and 4190 in 1890. I was like, oh, wow. So that was, that was a mudslinger that was actually true. So wow. it was proposed that St. Joe get it. And St. Joe kind of really was like gunning for it. And they were doing exploratory committees as early as 1891 into early 1892 to see if it, they'd be viable. Mm-hmm. You, so Benton Harbor, so a lot of people call the St. Joe and Benton Harbor the Twin Cities because they're across the river from each other. They're a little right. bit more like Cain and Abel without the murder. Um, and there's a lot of time in the history of both cities that one or the other, were they were just going at it, going at it. But this mm-hmm. was probably one of the few times where uh, Benton Harbor recognized that partnering with St. Joe was in its best interest, right? Like, let right. St. Joe have it. So it was brought to the the supervisors, the Board of Supervisors, in January of 1894, and they agreed that something had to be done. Let in the, like, just like in 1880, we're going to send it to the election, a uh, public election in April of 1894, and all valid voters will have to vote. The difference between 1880 and 1894 is hugely stark. And I've, I had people make this comment to me when they read through the exhibit. It was a lot of reading because it's a lot of articles um, mm-hmm. and snippets. It's the tone got vicious in 1894, like vicious. And St. Joe was going for blood. Benton Harbor, they'd, 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 they'd prop up their sister city, but um, right. they were vicious. And Buchanan at that point, once again, was like, Nope, <laughs> we are not right. dealing with this today. I am right. not, we're not doing this. So it became in the papers, it was basically St. Joe, who was trashing Berrien Springs, 
Baron Springs is likely losing its mind again. And then Buchanan was taking up the mantle. They were they were the white knight for Baron Springs. Um, it was mm-hmm. threatened that if in several articles that if St. Joe got the county seat, they'd have to split the county in half. So by the time you got to 1894, suddenly there is now a North versus South battle. Everyone wow. south of Berrien Springs wanted to stay in Berrien Springs. Everyone north of Berrien Springs wanted to move to St. Joe. This is becoming, this is not something that we saw in the first election, but it was absolutely there in the second election. Threatened there, um, there was a supplement that was put out by the Buchanan County Register. Two pages showcasing population. It was the only one of the few mm-hmm. images we found in the newspapers. It was a map of Berrien County, and they showed these two circles showing where the population centers were at. And they go, there are more people in this circle centered around like Niles or whatever than there is around St. Mm. Joe. So these people are going to have to pay for the, all these people to get this. They were using right. uh, St. Joe of sending people out. There were people who canvassed on behalf of St. Joe. And I'm sure there were people who canvassed on behalf of Barry and Springs. Um, mm-hmm. St. Joe was accused of trying to commit election fraud. Um, because they were trying to prove to the county that they were the county residents, that they would be the best place for it. St. Joe approved a significant number of um, renovation projects, streets and, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. So they were trying to make it look a little bit cozier for the the win. So by this time, um, Barry and Springs had been the county seat for about 60 years at this point yes so they would have so, been 60 years but their, their courthouse was also criticized for maybe being smaller than what was needed by then so that is one yeah. of, you must have been doing your research on newspapers.com because that is one of the major criticisms in the saint joe paper was how worn out and um, it was right. so funny because they had this really bad drawing of the stairwell up into the court uh, into the courthouse. Oh, okay. There's this giant crack through the plaster, and I keep making the joke. I said, "I think that crack is still there. I think that's a crack." Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. They talk about how so they old were. Uh, worn. So they were, uh, but was Barry and Springs putting together a proposal of saying we'll do upgrades if we get approved, or were they I doing anything to? see anything i didn't hear anything i didn't see anything in any of the newspapers that referenced that hmm. um the big comments were really kind of were being anything related to the buildings was actually the proposal for a new building um and hmm. so okay they showed a picture of the allegan county uh courthouse that was built around that time i think that building is now gone and they're like, it was only built for $48,000. And so they were trying to brag that all of these major bigwigs and bearing and bearing, excuse me, in St. Joe and Benton Harbor committed $1,000 or 500, like Graham, mm-hmm. the Graham Morton company is on there, right? Uh, to build this. And then it turned out that no, the county had to take on the costs and responsibilities of building a new county seat. It's in the constitution of the state that they cannot Right, so it didn't really matter where it landed. That money was going to get spent to build a new courthouse one way or the other. I exactly. Got it. Okay. And so that was one of the, the, the things that Buchanan tried to say was like, that was one of their arguments. No new taxes. We're going to have to pay for this. We're gonna, why are we paying for a new county seat or new county government building that's, gonna, that's mm-hmm. not going to benefit the rest of us? only going to benefit right. the big wigs and the real estate agents in St. Joe. Like they right. were going for blood. It was actually very fascinating how... Um, mean they got. E.K. Warren came out against it in the newspaper. 
uh, Three Oaks was for the move, but he personally came out and said, no, I think it should remain in Berrien Springs. Um, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. if you look at the cost of it, they could say, well, you know, that Berrien Springs courthouse is maybe smaller or older, but we could get another 20 years out of it or something Exactly. Or before so, we have to invest again. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic there, you know? Yeah. So anyway, fast forward to April and it was a win for St. Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not a landslide win, but the votes were absolutely geographical. So you've got Niles and Niles Township, 100% voting for Berrien Springs. You've got Buchanan, like pretty much 100% voting for Berrien Springs. St. Joe, 100% for St. Joe, right? So North County overwhelmingly voted for Berrien Springs and South County more or less, or excuse me, St. Joe, and the South County more or less went for Berrien Springs. There was enough South County election uh, townships and stuff that went for St. Joe to put them over the edge. But if the, in the big the Berrien County Register, which has one of the few, I couldn't find it in the St. Joe papers for some reason. The ver- mm-hmm. I know what the totals are. The St. the the record we think was before the final final count uh, count because it's showing that technically Berrien Springs won, but it's not true. What was funny about it is at the bottom it said three people voted for the move to go to Berrien Springs and Buchanan. And at the bottom, mm-hmm. it said, we happen to know of all those people who voted, only one pays taxes in Buchanan. So we're not sure why they were voting for the county seat anyway. Like they wow. were, they didn't name <laughs> names, but they were calling people out. Come so in the, of course, in the immediate aftermath, the newspapers in St. Joe who had been, well, you know, they acted like they were, they, they'd spent this entire time trashing Niles and trashing, because Niles tried to get it too, like as a write-in. They trashed Niles. They trashed Berrien Springs. They were the best. Woo, woo, woo. And that, like, and then they went and they're like, well, we tip our hat to our sister city in Berrien mm-hmm. Springs. Like they were like, it was like this benevolent, it was just, it's so hard to describe, but it's just very this benevolent approach. And, mm-hmm. you know, they had the parade ready. They, within a few days, they had a parade. Everyone was doing this. Um, but it wasn't really technically official because if you're going to move a county seat, you do have to go through the court system. So the second battle for this ele- in this election was actually the court battle. So of course the anti-seat removalists sued to make sure to sue to keep the county seat in Berrien Springs because they claimed that there was some tampering, some you know, election fraud or something. Right. And the lower courts actually sided with the anti-removalists, but the next step was for them to escalate. It eventually went to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court's like state Supreme Court was like. No, this mm-hmm. is a completely legal election. The county did what it was supposed to do legally through notifications and area newspapers. Adequate time for people to prepare and learn about the situation. The vote was held legally. It is legal. And there was a second celebration in St. Joe where everyone was decorated and coming out in droves because of, mm. you know, the Supreme Court made the right decision. And um, there <laughs> were they were still throwing barbs, though, during this time. There was... Um, Obviously, they had to go through the court system for the approval um, and then the nod from the legislature. But there was this one little snippet. It was like uh, there was a feather feather removal box car that drove past the other day. Everyone said, look, there goes the county seat being removed. You know, like they were insulting, <laughs> they were already insulting it. And so wow. they were it was very backhanded in a lot of their commentary. But St. Joe 
got it. Buchanan was trying to fight it because the, the, the next vote happened in November of that year, which was the appropriations bill. Will the county spend $70,000 to build a new county seat? That right. election also went in favor for the appropriations. The only political cartoon I found this entire time was related to the vote on the appropriation, saying that mm-hmm. Marion Springs will do her duty, or Marion County will do her duty. And like the election in April, it was a long, it was a long, you know, community line. So it was still very much North South County. I think right. I, I suspect a a sentiment that still exists today um, in the sense of like, well, that's the South County. Oh, that's not And with me being in Berrien Springs mm-hmm. working, I'm like, county! And everyone else is like, right. yeah, it's down there. Oh, it's up there. You know, right. and so the, so what they did, once it became official in October that the county seat was indeed going to be moved and the appropriations um, request was approved by the voters, they decided they weren't going to wait until a new county seat was going to be moved. Mm-hmm. Um, the Martin's Music Academy, which was in St. Joe, offered their building with the idea that they would rent a small rental fee, you know, very mm-hmm. affordable rental fee, until the new county seat, the new county courthouse would be built, which would be um, unveiled in 1896. Um, and they uh, came and got everything. They, they went in till December. So they, mm-hmm. the last court cases and the last county supervisor meeting held in the courthouse was in December of that year. And it was very funny because they talk about, they feel like, wrote nostalgically, oh, it's the last one. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Very, like, very nostalgic, right? Um, yeah. But it, while everyone, they were in Saint, nostalgic in St. Joe, Bering Springs was very bitter. And mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite quotations which somebody found from the Berrien Springs era, um, which we do quote in the actual exhibit, the regular exhibit at the museum, was from um, was coming from the Berrien Springs era, and it says, "I love this. This is this is emblematic of elections and politics and humanity." Mm-hmm. Uh, the Berrien Springs era wrote, "Quote: The motive power used in the removal was mostly furnished by horses." But the direction of affairs was left to the jackasses, of which St. Joe has an abundance. So, mm. And with that kind of final commentary in the newspapers, everything moved to St. Joe. Um, and that's where it's been ever since. There has been rumblings in the last few years, from what I have been told, that there are a small segment of residents who would like to see, not necessarily Bering Springs residents, but there mm-hmm. has been rumbling questioning maybe they should move the county seat back to Berrien Springs, make it more mm. central again. Um, because right now the main court is in St. Joe and there is an auxiliary court in um, Niles. So mm. they're, you know, when they pull for jury duty, you don't know where you're going to go. Like I got called for jury duty last year. I got really lucky. I was in St. Joe right down the street from my house. Mm-hmm. They easily wow. could have been in a court case in Niles. Um, it is one of those things. It's a pie in the sky. Probably will never happen. Um, the infrastructure just is not there to host yeah. the county seat yet, unless it's something that Berrien Springs is willing to put the work into. Um, but I think right now, and I, and I think whatever election that would occur to move Saint, the county seat from St. Joe back to Berrien Springs would absolutely rival whatever was written in 1894. Mm-hmm. I St. Saint, Saint Joe's not giving that up. 
our cold dead yeah. hands is what I, I would suspect would be the phrase works. So Yeah, it's kinda of hard in this day and age to move something that large. I mean it's um a little battle kind of reminds me I went to a lecture in Marshall a couple of weeks ago and they had a speaker talking about the um the the battle over the state capital mm-hmm. of when that was chosen and Marshall was battling for it. And it was a very fascinating um lecture that he gave and he said he described in there, you know, I mean, Lansing obviously got it, but there was a battle at one point between, it was originally in Detroit, it was a battle yep. to keep it in Detroit, Ann Arbor was bidding for it, Jackson was bidding, Marshall and Lansing um, put in a bid, and there was one other town. Um, that, And so there was all these places, Kalamazoo may even also had their hat in there. But and the whole thing played out, and eventually Lansing got it because all of the southern um cities were all pretty much on the same travel routes uh, along the the territorial road and so they all had a stronger position but it was divided because everybody they couldn't come together uniformly Mm -hmm. whereas lansing pulled together all the northern counties and was able to secure a larger vote because they they unified they got organized and um and and he also said in that lecture was very interesting that there were four crown jewels that you could go for in a state. One was the state capital. Mm-hmm. The next one was the university. Mm-hmm. The third was the prison. <laughs> and the fourth was the insane asylum. <laughs> so, so, of course, Ann Arbor got the university right. after the capital decision was made. Yeah, and Jackson yeah. got the state prison. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is Kalamazoo got the insane asylum. Because that's where I saw that the statewide one was for yeah, a long time. Yeah, I think that's where it was. It's funny because I... there was also another one over in Flint, so I don't know which one was the official state. I think it was Kalamazoo, based on my research, but... Um, it's funny because we have... One of our talks is in um, called Moose and Elk, and it's about the it's about the symbols that define Michigan. And I do mm-hmm. talk about, like, the... I do talk about, like, the official capital of Michigan is this. We do talk about it was originally Detroit. And then right. it actually was part of the constitution that they had to move it because they didn't want the state, the county seat to be, or excuse me, the state capital in a position to be mm-hmm. able to be captured by the British again. <laughs> which I, right, right. Totally understandable. Um, but they refer to it as um, they were the one. The one article I ref, I saw it referred to was um, that Lansing won it because every it was kind of a. It was a vote at the very end of the day. No one mm-hmm. could agree on anything. And basically it was just kind of like, you know, wary, you know, wary, you know, politicians vote for Lansing because it was just better than nothing or, you know, it was very <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, Lansing, Lansing was pretty was much it. undeveloped. Lansing was pretty much undeveloped. You know, they literally didn't have but a couple of houses up there at the time. So it was kind of fascinating that, uh, well, yeah, it went that way. It's just very interesting because someone I was reading an article or something or something about how no state capital is in the biggest city in that's in that state, and it's probably a good thing because you you have too many people it would make the make it difficult to operate because you're fighting for mm-hmm. you know you know stuff. So very similarly, you know, lots of county seats are in probably a mid range for the bigger counties and the more mid range county. Um, St. Right. Joe is not the biggest city in Barron or Barron County. It's still Niles. Um, 
So, because mm-hmm. uh, it's proximity to South Bend really helps. There's a lot of bleed over from South Bend and Granger and Mishawaka and all of that. Um, and, right. plenty, and I know plenty of people who live in Niles and live and work, or excuse me, live in Niles and work in South Bend at the university, at the hospital mm-hmm. down there. So it's not uncommon for, you know, people like, I like living in Michigan. I will work in Indiana, which, you know, I don't blame them. I'm from mm-hmm. Indiana. Please. <laughs> I see yeah. why you're leaving. So, yeah, Amen. it's one of those kind of, it's just one of those things. It's a funny, it was a, it was so funny. It was just, I cannot emphasize how funny it was for me to read all this. And I would be sitting there doing research and laughing. And, you know, John, my curator's office is right next to mine. He goes, are you working on the exhibit over there? I said, yes. Mm-hmm. It's a little funny to read because it was just some backhanded. Some of it was just. So tell us, tell me a little bit about the exhibit. You got this exhibit you've worked out. When can people come tour it and how can they do that? So if you want to see the physical exhibit, you missed it. Uh, we just oh, okay. actually took it down here a couple weeks ago for our new exhibit, which is Growing Diamonds, the 70th anniversary of the Berrien Springs Garden Club. However, okay. I am hoping with a bit of a lull that I have here in July, um, and with given the fact it was all images that we pulled from newspapers, mm-hmm. they should have an online version in the next few weeks. But if not, definitely by the end of summer. Um, and then if okay. you are an institution in Berrien County or in the surrounding areas that would be interested in kind of showcasing kind of how politics worked uh, through the eyes mm-hmm. of the newspapers, um, because it was all mounted on foam core, you can have it. We'll we'll bring it to you. We'll even help. You. We'll it's all ready to go. We've got. We'll send you the the interp panel files for you guys to print off, and it's available. Uh, no mm-hmm. charge for museums and libraries, but if you're a for profit company, you can have it too. But there will be a charge. Mm-hmm. Call us. Find us info at barryhistory.org. We'd love to have it. Um, and like okay. I said, we'll make it available online. And I do do a talk version of this where I do have examples from the newspapers. Um, that mm-hmm. if people are interested in having me come talk, it's $75 in Berrien County, 95 out of Berrien County. And we can do day up, we can do during the day, on the weekends, or in the evenings. Again, info at BerrienHistory.org. Reach out to us. We'd love to bring this talk to you. That's awesome. That sounds like a lot of uh, information to uh, to share with the community. I hope people take advantage of that. Now, does the Berrien County Historical Association have any events coming up uh, later in the summer? Uh, so we, you all just missed Pickle Festival, which was on July fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. Was four thousand people traversed our grounds this year? It was a very big year for us, um, our biggest oh. yet. Um, but our next program at the museum is going to be our crewman at the courthouse concert series on the twenty eighth. That's a Friday, yeah. The twenty eighth at six thirty. Uh, the Grace Scott Band from Logansport, Indiana, is joining us. It is a free event, but donations are welcome. Concessions are available for sale. So that's um, July twenty eighth, right? It's Not July August. 28th. Okay. Uh, okay. The BCHA will be at the Berrien County Youth Fair, the week of Youth Fair, which for us is August fourth to August fourteenth. I believe mm-hmm. it's the twentieth. Um, that's just yeah, nineteenth. I'm sorry, through the nineteenth. Uh, we'll have a booth in the commercial building, number 37. Come shopping. Come support us. We'd love to see you. And then 20 on August 20, I have just got 27th, uh, Marianne Cordes, president of the Berrien Springs Garden Club, will come and give a talk about the history of the Garden Club in conjunction with the exhibit for our gallery talk. And then mm-hmm. August 25th is going to be the Blue Shoes Jazz Band, who's our August concert. Um, both of those are free. And then uh, there is a mission to the youth fair. I can't change that. Call the youth fair office. That's mm-hmm. that. 
Um, and yeah. then, and uh, if we if, if we could so nicely plug uh, a save the date for October first is Bountiful Variants, our annual fundraiser here at the museum. It is going to be a celebration of all the wonderful things that agriculture has done for Berrien County. Our theme this year is Centennial Footsteps. Guests are welcome. They'll be coming to the grounds. You'll enjoy delicious food and drink inspired by the mm -hmm. harvest and the fruits and vegetables of Berrien County. We're going to have a wonderful silent auction. We are already looking for silent auction items, so feel free to donate if you want. Tickets go on sale August 1st. They are $50 per person or $450 for a table of 10. Um, the event is geared at 18 and over, but we will be serving alcohol, and those under 21 will be tagged. So whoever serving mm. the bar can ID them. Um, we are accepting sponsorships, selling auction items. Tickets will be available for sale soon. And then, of course, the event is October 1st, Sunday, 4 to 7. Um, you can find more information at our website, varianhistory.org. And that will kick off a month-long event of fall harvest and spooky Halloween stuff. So I'm trying to get wow. through I'm taking my lull here uh, before you fair before I start head diving right into October. It's very busy season mm -hmm. here. Wow, that sounds like a wonderful evening. I hope people come out to that. And uh, they'll be able to find all that information on your website, BarianHistory.org. Mm -hmm. And then contact information will be great. I'll put the link in the show note descriptions for you folks that are driving, and that way you can uh, check it when you get to your destination out there. Please, because and, uh, we are now a hands-free state, which is good for the safety <laughs> and well-being of everyone. Uh, right. We're not hands-free from where I'm at, but the city of Chicago is, and I notice a very big difference between driving in the city before and after that wall mm -hmm. went into effect. I feel a yeah. little safer driving on Lakeshore Drive these days. Yeah, that's that's good. Well, um, any last uh, comments or things that you want to say here, Rhiannon, before we wrap up? No, but I do want to thank you for bringing I love talking about this. And again, if you guys are interested in learning more, please reach out to us for either the exhibit or the talk. We would love to bring that to you. And don't let it be in a Berrien County event. Stop you. Southwest Michigan has a mm -hmm. lot of shared history. And even though we have very unique experiences, we are all humans, and we all trash each other in the newspapers in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> well, what are the hours of the museum out there? Just to it throw is, that out. Uh, Wednesday through Sunday, 10 to 5. There is no admission, but donations are welcome. And we mm -hmm. but bring your money. We have a phenomenal, phenomenal gift shop. That is a great place. I have to put it on my list to get out there and tour this summer. It sounds like a lot of fun. And that is a fabulous organization. So I have been speaking with Rhiannon Sasan from the Berrien County Historical Association. And she's been kind enough to come on and talk about some of this amazing Berrien County history. And we'll just have, definitely have to have you back on a little later this year, maybe, and talk about some other stuff, maybe as we get towards fall. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just been a pleasure having you on today. And I really enjoy it. So if you guys enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to rate or comment or subscribe to the podcast out there depending on whatever app that you are listening on and if you'd like to reach out to me you can find me at michaeldelaware.com i'm always happy to hear from my listeners and as always i will put the links to the Berrien county historical association in the show note description so that you can check out their website and keep track of their upcoming events and definitely put these dates on your calendar. October 1st sounds like a really fun evening. And um, until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday, 
and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening. <laughs>